Hello and welcome to episode 216 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. It's all about the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Kipco Stakes on Saturday at Ascot, where some of Europe's leading horses are due to line up. It should really be a great race to watch. Jockey Kevin Stott joined a recent British Champion Series press conference and he discusses the chances of the exciting King of Steel and we hear from Kevin today. There's also racing at York on Saturday. We take a look at the best of the action there. And as always, City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of the weekend races in the UK. Bill, you're in transit today, so you're speaking to us via the the wonders of Wi-Fi. Let's hope it all holds firm, uh, as we should be looking forward to a great weekend of racing, certainly on Saturday. It's the brilliant stuff at, at Ascot, and uh, we don't have the watering situation this week because the rain has been coming down pretty much all throughout the week here and there, and it looks like it's going to be soft ground on Saturday. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be on, on the soft side, although I think it's going to be a dry couple of days. I mean, Ascot reported um, 31 mils of rain in the past seven days. So that's obviously taken its toll and mm. they're describing it. They're currently describing it as soft, good to soft in places. There's a chance of showers on Friday and Saturday, but reality is if they stay away, it'll it'll dry out. It'll be nearer good to soft than the really bad stuff, but they'll de- definitely be cutting the ground um, for the big, big day on Saturday. And sort of everyone who is connected with the big races on, on Saturday, they knew that this was going to happen with the, the softish ground. It's not a surprise. It wasn't sort of up in the air, pardon the pun. This is well, We always knew this is what they were going to get when they declared. Yeah, it's it's been on the radar all week and everyone's kind of kind of expected it. And we've still got one of the best King George's run for decades yeah. uh, on paper, even though we've, we lost kind of Desert Crown at the decoration stage. Uh, and, and a few others, a French Raider, a few others dropped by the wayside. It's still on paper, one of the, one of the best King Georges that I can remember, so plenty to look forward to. Certainly lots of depth in there. We'll hear from Kevin Stott in the, the pro- programme today uh, from a press conference. We had a chat with Kevin about the King of Steel, who obviously uh, reopposes August Rodin in that with others as well. That comes up on Saturday afternoon at 3.40. Let's Look at Ascot because it's Whirlpool Day at Ascot. Whirlpool have chosen certain big days. They've got a few days, the first three at Glorious Goodwood coming up next week. But they've got Ascot on Saturday. And what a day to choose King George Day. I mean, this is going to really boost the totes, isn't it? Yeah, some really good Whirlpool days coming up, like you say, starting at King George Day at Ascot on Saturday and then rolling into the first three days of, of Goodwood next week. So, our, our racing product being streamed all over the world and, and, and the tote pools being boosted by global liquidity. So, you know, it's a real real positive thing for, for British racing. And there's eight really good races in Ascot on Saturday that will be being beamed live. I'm, I'm speaking to you from Newmarket, actually. I'm, I'm pulled in by the lay-by, so I can actually see it. I sound like an old one of those old <laughs> telephone tipsters, but I can actually see, <laughs> see, the, see the horses working as we as we speak alongside um, alongside where I'm parked. But it's um, yeah, it's a busy time for for all these big racing headquarters as they build for uh, like a massive four or five days uh, at Goodwood next week, and and obviously Ascot on Saturday. Yeah, really looking forward. It's a great time of the year for flat racing fans with Ascot Saturday, and then a whole week of glorious Goodwood 
coming up next week in a, an absolutely fantastic track that is we actually got hold of christopher head and you'll hear him next week talking about blue rose sen i call him up at uh, his shanty base in paris as you do and he was wonderful and lovely chat one-to-one with christopher head so listen out for that through uh, glorious goodwood week that uh, filly of his she looks a bit spectacular uh, not to say the least i know you're a big fan you tipped her up as a certainty when she ran last time out and, and she won and she's been winning pretty much all of her races okay that's coming up so saturday then we're going to go to ascot we're going to start with the, the the tv races there and the 150 is the princess margaret's stakes it's a, a group three for the fillies there are 11 of them due to go to post and it's one of those pesky two-year-old races that uh, these uh, fillies have only had one or two runs and you just don't know which one's going to be the best out of them, certainly at this stage of the season. We've got the likes of uh, Symbology for Clive Cox. She won at York over the six furlongs. Clive Cox does really well with his horse. He subs Richard Fahey. His horse, Pretty Crystals, ran twice. Soprano for George Bowie's got Frankie on board, going to be popular on the Whirlpool market there, this uh, 10 horse. She's had, uh, what, three runs. She won on her debut. And Charlie Appleby, has got Dazzling Star, got an ammo racing horse in coma for Kevin Stott to get uh, a feel of Ascot on Saturday afternoon. But it's always a trick on the two-year-olds, Bill. Yeah, very, very trappy first race uh, for, for the terrestrial TV audience in the UK, this 150 race. Uh, symbology looks the obvious one. The, the, the big question mark here is we've, we've, we've got Soprano in here. She She's a very likely non-runner. She, he ran at Sandown uh, on pretty bad ground on Thursday, so the likelihood of her showing here, uh, I think, is is was well, I think it's very unlikely. It'd be very strange to ask a two-year-old to go and do that 24 hours or 48 hours on from a from a pretty tough race at Sandown. So this has got Rule Four written all over it. This race, so tread carefully. Mm-hmm. My, my my kind of the appeal of the likes of Symbology and Pretty Crystal. Uh, is lessening all the time when you know there's a rule four because you're talking about you know not seven to two you're talking about nine to four two to one symbology and probably eleven or four five to two pretty crystal rather than seven to two or four to one so uh trade carefully with your anti-post bets here wait for soprano to come out which i think is she will uh mm-hmm. wait for the market to be reformed uh symbology looked really smart a couple of weeks ago at york when she won first time up uh for clive cox you know they tend they tend to be good from his yard when they win first time up. Um, Pretty Crystal's probably done the most on paper here. She she was um, she was good on on her debut and then actually ran a fair fair race at Ascot. She was she was fifth in the Albany, which wasn't a bad run at all there behind Porter Fortuna. Um, that that was a fair show. She's probably achieved the most on paper, um, but like I said originally, they're going to be skinny those two. Um, I just my 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 kind of finger is leaning towards pointing at Dazzling Star. Uh, she was woeful on her debut. She was absolutely clueless on her debut, but took a massive step forward at Newmarket last time, the back end of last month, admittedly in a, in a weak race. It wasn't a great race, but she won as easily as she could have done. And, you know, she's by Blue Point. She's bred to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stable have loads of smart two-year-olds, as you'd expect. So they're not going to run a rubbish one in this, I wouldn't have thought. And... You know, she's around nine to one. She just seems overpriced for a horse that probably you can ignore that 
first run and we'll step forward but like i said it's probably a race to to tread carefully on it's a race i've probably got the least view of the seven tv races we're covering um i think if you if you ask me the most likely winner it would be symbology or pretty crystal but um from a betting point of view if you could get eight nine to one dazzling star and she doesn't shorten up too much i think she's probably worth a chance because i think there's a, a, a we haven't seen the best of her yet and Blue Point is what a sire he's uh, turning out to be. He's having loads of two-year-old winners, isn't he? It's really picking up. Yeah, it, it, totally. Uh, and he got better with time as well. So uh, mm. uh, another reason to give Dazzling Star a bit of a time to to step forward and improve. And and she took a huge step up from debut to second run. And you never know, she might just take a big step forward again to her third run. And that's the uh, two-year-old race at one fifty two twenty-five. It's over a mile. It's the Longines Valiant Stakes, a group three. Also for the girls, Phillies and Mares with 10 going. It'd be a bit ironic if this goes late, sponsored by Longines, but maybe it will. Uh, we've got a good few in here as well. Random Harvest for Ed Walker. I think the interesting one I looked at is Johnny Murta bringing over Caddo Bell, who's an unbeaten Philly daughter of Harry Angel. has got Jamie Spencer on board. Uh, she's won both of her races at Gorham Park and at Navan. We've got the likes of Amena in there for Roger Varian. She's won one of her three. Uh, Joseph O'Brien also comes over with Thornbrook. He's got William Buick, who now doesn't have a ride in the King George, of course, uh, which we wouldn't be too happy about that, I would have thought. But maybe he can uh, make a little bit of amends on Thornbrook. And uh, there's also Roman missing there for Archie Watson and Zengo and, and others as well. Uh, so we've got the Phillies again, but these are older horses. Yeah, all, all the horses. R- Random Harvest will be favourite here. Um, she's she's been re- really good this season. R- run of crackers at kind of Epsom and, and back here at the Royal Meeting when we tipped her up. She was part of the Quinella when she was just touched off by Rogue Millennium, but she ran a cracker that day. I thought she was going to win. Uh, actually, ran quite well in the Falmouth last time. Um, she has quite literally danced every dance this season, and that's a, it's a niggling worry here whether whether she's she's been so busy of late whether she can can maintain that that run of form but she's very consistent she's bound to run well um she has to be on most short lists um amena uh, for the roger varian team we haven't actually seen her since she finished but she was sixth, which was a, was a remarkable run because that was the third run of her life and she'd only just won her maiden about two weeks before um but obviously she's on the comeback trail from from injury she's got the potential to be far better than any of these and the market will be the best guide with her where she is um, you know, she's she's it's it's a delayed reappearance, uh, to put it politely, and whether she'll need it and then step forward, uh, they're choosing to come here rather than go to Goodwood or or other assignments. But there is the there is the feeling that she's got if she can reproduce that and step forward with from 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 that Guineas run, she could be the best of these. But you know, fitness fitness is the question mark, and she she might just need it. Um, I think the most interesting is the one is the one you highlighted, Caddo Bell. For Johnny Murta, two from two, who stepped up from a really good maiden to to win at listed level next time, beating her elders, elders, which was the key there. So, you know, you don't get many three-year-olds that can do that second time out. Um, so she could be really smart, and she's probably the kind of, for me, she would be the the base of any Quinella or Whirlpool multiple. And then you probably look for a couple of bigger prices. You know, I suppose the way to play these um, Quinellas, as we saw in Ascot, is to try and get some of the big guns out the frame. So as much as we like Random Harvest and Amena, you probably want to try and get them out the frame. So I would probably play Caddo Bell in a Quinella, and I'd probably throw in Roman Mist 
who could go forward. She's uh, since she sw- switched to Archie Watson, she she won first time up, and then you can kind of ignore her last two runs. Well, Epsom just didn't go according to plan, and then she wasn't beaten far off a big weight in the handicap Alaska last time. She'll be better than that, and she's got trap two, so she'll go forward. So around 10, 11 to one, I can see her running well. Um, and also Vativa from the Balding team uh, did well to win from from a difficult position last time. And she's improving too. I, I just play those three in a Quinella because you've probably got a 92, 5-1 chance in Keller Bell and then a, then a few at bigger prices. I just think that would be the way I'd, I'd, play, I'd play that race. Okay, just before we come to the King George at 340, we've got a really fascinating handicap at uh, 3 o'clock, seven furlongs, 27 due to go to post in this one so you can get some nice each-way bets on a... I know, Bill, you don't like backing favourites in 27 runner fields, but I was at Newmarket on July Cup Day when Biggles won for Ray Beckett and Ryan Moore, and he showed a really nice turn of foot at the furlong pole to really settle a pretty competitive race. He's only gone up three pounds for beating Ropey Guest two lengths there. Ryan stays on board Biggles, who's going to be one of the favourites, and so too is fresh. I know we say this all the time, but uh, he loves running at Ascot, does really well here. He was fifth, of course, in the Wokingham. Danny Tudhope writes for James Fanshawe. We've got Baradar for George Bowie in this one. Spangle Max in there. Vafortino, we know them all, don't we? Bless him. Ramazon in there. Ropey Guest reopposes. Montesiv is in there as well. Uh, that horse also coming out of the Biggles race. Uh, three pounds, that doesn't seem too excessive, does it, for... A horse that seemed to win that race very well when he ran last time out. Yeah, totally. I probably don't need to say anything. I think you've done my job for me. I I, I don't, like you said, I, I normally um, look to the bigger price ones in races like this, but the top two are rock solid. And and actually, you know, at the, at the time of us recording, we're kind of 6.13 to 2, the pair of them. You know, if you can back both of them coupled, I think I think you're on to onto an interesting one there. Biggles, uh, the rain is perfect for him. He wouldn't want it to dry out too much uh is really progressive one in the style of of a horse that's heading to group company last time yeah. and you could tell that the there was just a twinkle in Rafe's eye that he knows he's got a good one here and look three pounds it should be up seven or ten for that he's, he's a three pound as long as the race doesn't come too soon that's what you're you're betting with but ryan will be patient played late um you know he he's he's just just rock solid and and fresh we know he's a it's an ascot seven furlong specialist who bounced back to form with a good close up fifth in the wokeham last time you know he's he's only a few pounds higher than marks that he operates well from and you know he's gonna he's gonna be bang in the mix um in this too you know the, the pair, pair of them are, are pretty hard to keep out of um all the, all the multiples and you know the Quinellas, so so you know Biggles would be a would be a, a, a strong fancy in this race. Um, I'd probably play fresh in there, and then from a Quinella point of view, looking at one from a bigger price, you you could probably play four. I'd imagine in a Quinella here, combination Quinella, and you know hope that one of the the bigger price ones comes out. You've got to put Bless him in there. He's got a great record in the race. Jamie Spencer gets back on. He was banned at Newmarket last time. Um, wouldn't want the ground to, to to be too soft, so the drying ground would help him. He's around 16. Um, I think he can go go well. And the other one is Takro Bay. He's been gelded for the Hannon team. Another one at 16 to one. So I probably chuck those two big price ones in uh, with Biggles and Fresh. Play them all in a multiple Quinella. The four of them, 
and um, yeah, play Biggles for the win. Wow, I can't believe you're going with the same selection as me for this. This it does happen quite a lot, but yeah, uh, I don't know. If it's a good thing or a bad thing. It happens a lot, but I don't normally mention it. But I'm so confident. Having seen three pound rise for Biggles, I'm just thinking this has got to be something's got to go wrong with the bounce effect for him not to run a big race for you at six to one. Just you've got to go with it, and and we'll go with that in the three o'clock. Right before we hear from Bill's thoughts. Uh, on the big race, the mouth-watering mile and a half, King George the Sixth and Queen Elizabeth Kipco Stakes, the Group One part of the British Champion Series at three forty, where they field of eleven. We lost one, of course. Desert Crown got an infection and he's out again and keeps missing uh, the big races. Now supposed to be uh, going to go be routed up to, to York. As I say, before we hear from Bill, let's hear from one of the main men. In the action, Kevin Stott, he did a Zoom press conference uh, earlier on in the week talking about his horse, which is King of Steel. And, of course, the press, they love a revenge. They love a fight back. They love a, a tussle between two horses. We've seen many down the years in the King George. What about the tussle between August Rodin and King of Steel? The first and second in the derby going at it again for the first time since the derby is it's obviously a, a massive thing for everyone um people would say you know had king is still ran in the dante what would have happened like we'll never find out you know we can all we can sit and talk about it all day and and, and stuff like that um but you know my my i know you know king king of steel obviously ran a massive race and um yeah like like we said we we would we'd never find out if what would have happened? But at least we'll get um we'll get a second chance now to to see if we can turn it around. But it's it's by any means not a two horse race. Um, there's there's some high, very high quality horses in there, and especially with the with the ease in the ground. If if we are gonna have good to soft soft ground, then you know there's there's a lot of horses in there with very good form on on um slowish ground and um. Yeah, you, you you just you don't know when you when you have so many good horses running against each other. It's it's exciting because it's 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 very open. Um, obviously, August Rodan and, and King of Steel are getting a bit away from from the older horses, but they are only three where the others are are, are older and and more experienced, etc. I I expect him to run a massive race at York. Unfortunately, what happened happened, and um, you know, I still, I still, ha I, I still kept my faith. Yeah, you know, I was saying to to Megan, uh, my partner, that um, you know, I can see him run a massive race in here if he handles the handles the track. And you know, I I, I had no pressure on me because I was just riding him to run well, um, to see what we kind of had, to see if the you know the homework was backing up in a race. And yeah, between the three and the two pole, I was in front by by two and a bit lengths. And next thing, you know. <laughs> I was I was I was screaming for the finishing line, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we just got run down by by a very good horse on the day. And yeah, like I say, hopefully we can we can turn the the form around. But we have to first of all, you know, beat some other very very good horses in the race. So it's definitely not just a, a race between the two three year olds. I don't think. But I would like to hope that if it, if it does come to a a battle again from the furlong pole, that hopefully our fellow will um, will pull it out a bit. When you went to Epsom, it was a big prize, 66 to 1. How confident were you of him running a really big race when you went to Ascot, when he won the Group 2 there? Because there wasn't a lot of confidence behind him earlier on in, in the week there. 
I kind of think, uh, well, personally, I had a lot of confidence in him, but I, I think that there's there's been horses in the in the past that's finished second in the Derby at a big price that's then gone to not performed or achieved, you know, the way that people hope. I was confident that he was going to run a big race at Ascot, um, but you you just always have that doubt at the back of your head that like was it just a bit of a fluke or or what? Um, and I think everybody else was was kind of thinking the same. Um, mm-hmm. So when he actually went and did what he did at Ascot of of a race that wasn't run to suit, we we kind of then got you know we all we could all see for ourselves that you know he's. He's probably a very, very good horse. Um, and we find out even more on Saturday. At the end of the day, he's, he's only had four runs. And there's still a lot more to come from this horse. Um, and I think you'd even see a better horse next year, personally. And as you said, and a lot of people looking at revenge against August Rodan in, in, in the derby, but it's certainly an awful lot more than that, isn't it? I mean, if they all line up with the... Hookums and the Emily Up John Desert Crown Pile Driver who won this race last year uh, and others. You know, it, it, there's certainly more than one horse to beat, and you've got to be wary of that and not just follow the wrong one round, basically. Yeah, I, I, well, exactly. You're 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 dead right. You know, it, it's not a two horse race by any means. Um, you know, there's some some high high quality horses in there, and. I think that that's why it's, it's going to make it even better um, of a race, to be honest, because like you say, um, there's not just one horse there to follow. You have to be very aware of, of, of all the horses around you because you know that they could potentially be be the one to beat. And, and that's what makes it so exciting. Um, and this is why the this is the race that everybody wants, wants to watch because it's the best horses run against each other. Well, we wish you well. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. It is. He comes up a really nice, very friendly guy, very amenable. He's now riding for Ammo, of course. It's Kevin Stott talking about King of Steel, who uh, was second to August Rodin in the Derby at 66 to 1, came out and won at Ascot. It was an uneasy favourite for a while, but then went off 11 to 10. Last minute money came to win that King Edward the Seventh, and he won it pretty comfortably as well. August Rodin, Bill, we've spoken about him, the training performance of recovering from the 2,000 guineas at Newmarket to win the derby. Then he had to struggle a bit to to win the Irish derby. I'm not sure many people thought that the runner-up couldn't have been a bit closer in the end. He got the likes of Hookham for the very likeable Owen Burroughs. He's got his reign. This horse just keeps on winning, doesn't he? He's won now the Group 1 coronation and he won in May as well, the Brigadier Gerard Group 3. Emily Upjohn is the uh, the filly in the race by Sea of the Stars. And, and last year's winner, Pile Drivers back for William Muir, who will be probably driving the truck and putting petrol in the truck and saddling him up and doing everything. Westover's in there as well. Others, It's a cracking renewal, isn't it? Yeah, a really good renewal. It's, it's the, the battle of the ages or the age group. So this is a, a real, you know, the eclipse is always the... the the, per, the first proper clash between the three-year-olds and their elders and we yeah, it's traditionally always recently been a small field so this is the first time you get a whole batch of three-year-olds coming on and taking on their elders uh intriguing clash the the uh three-year-olds get 11 pounds while the colts do from their elders um which is 
a fair chunk of weight, which, which you'd imagine is the reason they are to the fore at the top of the market. Um, and traditionally, we've seen three-year-olds struggle. I mean, I, as, as, as the period of time that I've been following racing, uh, you know, there was, a, there was that period between, I think, around 2003, 2004 through to 2014, where, where it was only Nathaniel was the only kind of three-year-old in that batch over a kind of 10-year period who managed to win. And it was the year when you, the years when you had um, the likes of... Um, uh, what was the year? I mean, Harvard, Harvard just brings to mind uh, yeah. most of all. But it was the year, the years that you have really good elder horses, the Dylan Thomases, the Hurricane Runs, the Asimores, the Conduits, all those really good, classy older horses. And then, you know, the, in the t- 10 years since, we've seen more talented three-year-olds break through, the kind of Tegrudas and, and Abel, obviously two smart fillies there. And Adar more recently won for the three-year-old brigade. So, so the good three-year-olds, when they come along and they get all that way can get the job done and what do you got to ask yourself is that do we have a really good three-year-old in here we've got the, the first and second from the derby and i've just got question marks in my heart of hearts i've got question marks whether this crop is a really good good batch and i feel that i want to be with the elders here particularly now the rains come and it's a um it's a you know, a, a bit of a test of stamina and a bit more of a slog. Um, it's um, it's it's just, I think, going to be a bit tough for the three-year-olds. And I think there's a there's a really good batch of of elders that that are turning up here. And you know, for August Rodan, who's the obvious one, the Derby winner, um, I wasn't blown away by him in the Irish Derby. I thought that was really workmanlike. I felt that loads of people were. Um, uh, we're saying that the second could have got pretty bit closer if given a harder ride. I thought he was all out. He may just be a stayer. This may just play to his strengths. Um, King of Steel, I think his stamina is going to be tested more than it's been more than it was so at Ascot last time. I think this will be really hard work for him. Mm. Um, I, I just want to be with the olders, and 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 the obvious one for me is Hookham. <laughs> I I think he's really I think he's really really smart. I think he'll love the rain that's arrived. Um, I like the fact that he missed the Royal meeting because I think he's best fresh anyway. Um, yeah. His only kind of disappointing run came with a quick reappearance in Dubai where uh, the Shima Classic came too quick uh, on the back of the prep run. But, you know, he was really good when he beat Par Driver at, at Epsom last year in the coronation. He was great at Sandown on his reappearance. Um, there's just a lot to like about him. He's tough. He's battle-hardened. He'll handle conditions. I thought the 9-2 was a really good, solid bet. I, I, I fancy him. I think he'll I think he'll win. And for the kind of Quinella purposes, you know, I'll play the Elders with him. I'll play Pile Driver again. I'll play Emily Upjohn. Those are the three that I would... I'd far rather be with the three of them as a package than I would with the three-year-olds. And look, if I'm wrong, I'll hold my hand up and say, this is a really good match of three-year-olds. Yeah. But I think they've got a... They've got to prove it. I think, you know, we've discussed before about Paddington. I think Paddington's the best three-year-old uh, uh, around town at the moment. And, you know, he he was very good when he got got the job done at um, Sandown. But if I'm honest, I thought he would win that a bit easier than he did. And Emily Upjohn was closing all the time because the trip's a bit short for her. Um, yeah, I just I just want to be with the elders here and I'll be with Hookham and I'll play him in a kind of Quinella with Emily Upjohn and Pile Driver. I knew you'd go for Hookham because that's the one I went for. So we we got no chance this weekend between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've handicapped these horses out of possibilities of winning, haven't we? Really, the the extra weight yeah, yeah, they're no. going to have to carry. If you you and my tenors on there, it's just going to be far too much. We're going to be changing the markets. It's unbelievable. 
look forward to that. It will be a brilliant race. And and if you you know you don't win, then don't get all upset. Just enjoy the winner because I'm sure whoever wins the King George is going to be a cracking horse and it's going to be a, a really top race with some really, really good horses for us to enjoy. Let, let's go up to York for some t- ITV races there on Saturday. And they start at 2.05 for this five furlong jump jockeys Nunthorpe handicap. But when the jump jockeys go all the way to York, what, just for the one ride? I mean, this sounds a little bit stupid. I mean, it's a lovely idea, isn't it? There's 19 of them. You you can't pay the bills with one ride, can you? I don't know. Anyway, um, Kevin Ryan's got Brian Hughes on board. Sound Reason, who won at Beverly last time out. Sampers Seven's got uh, a hood and blinkers on. For Mick Appleby, he's got Charlie Hammond on board. A up, it's Maggie. Paul Townend comes over to ride. These guys have got too much money. And we've got Speeder cussing there for Sean Bowen, who is in absolutely brilliant form over the jumps. And David O'Mara trains that. That one won at Donny over five furlongs recently. Count Dorsey's in this one as well. This is a race I'll watch. I wouldn't put a penny on. Would you be betting on a, a jump jockey's Nunthorpe? No, it's this is a this is a bit of a fun spectacle for for TV, and there's no there's no jump racing around. So there's a couple of days off for the ju- jump jockeys. It's it's just a bit of fun. Um, you know, sound reason. That's the obvious one. He's quick. He's straightforward. He's got the champion jump jockey on who, who just likes winning. Um, he's kind of eight to one favourite. I think he's he's um, he's rock solid. He'll probably take a fair bit of whacking to be honest. But um, look. It's it's a bit of a guessing game. There's a bit of a gamble in this race this week on A up. It's Maggie's being well punted, uh, uh, probably because Paul Townend's coming over from Ireland, and I presume he's not coming over for the fun of it. Um, and this filly's got a bit back form here at York, and handles cut in the ground. Um, I know Sampa Seven pretty well from Mix Yard, and that that's you know very very rapid. And the, what what tends to happen here is you end up going too quick and falling in a bit of a hole. Um, yeah. mm. And, and um, you can get, get funny kind of results. But, you know, I think the market's kind of got it right. So if I had to have a bet, I'd be with Sound Reason or A up. A up, it's Maggie, but it wouldn't be wouldn't be a strong fancy. Now, uh, then 240, we've got the six furlong dash handicap with 15. Abarama Gold is in there for David Amara who was fifth on his debut for for the New Yard. Lethal Levi, who, as I keep saying, was a good two-year-old for Cole Burke, hasn't really lit up the world since then, but maybe in a race like this would have a, a really good chance. Our old friend Summer Hands in there as well for David O'Mara as well. Got Jason Watson on board. I think it's the first time he'll have ridden Summer Hand, certainly recently. A Barefoot Angel has had a wind operation. She goes there for Richard Fahey. And your old friend, Mon Damage, I think he's had eight runs already this season. He's uh, been kept busy. I'm not sure, sure if he has any time to eat any hay, but Anthony Britton's got him in this one as well. Yeah, this is a good race, and the rain's come at, uh, at York too, so it'll it'll be on the soft side here. Um, looks fiercely competitive. Abraama Gold's been well found in the market in recent days, and that's right. He's still available at 7-1. to one. That's a fair bet. If you can get sevens, Abraama Gold. Um, he switched to um, uh, David Amara's yard uh, from Keith Douglas, obviously finished training. And it was a bit of an eye-catching run at air last time when he was, he was fifth. So he looks on the comeback trail, likes cutting the ground, run well at York, ran well in this race last year, reappearing off a couple of pounds lighter. Um, just 
everything looks right for Abraham Gold uh, to run a really good race. It's just whether his price holds out and what price you'll be getting when you listen to this podcast. But certainly if you can get around 7 or 13 to 2, he's bang, rock solid. With five places, he should be in the frame or better. I think he's 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 rock solid. Um, Lethal Levi, whether he wants the ground this soft, I'm not sure. Summerhand doesn't seem to be the force of old. Um, Bear for Angel, a three-year-old, it's a bit tough for the three-year-old fillies. Mondomez probably doesn't want this far. It's probably more effective over on faster ground and five furlongs. Um, yeah, I could give a each way shout to Magical Spirit, Kevin Ryan's uh, horse loves soft ground. Um, you can kind of ignore the Newcastle run last time. Finished seventh and nine in the, in the chip chase. It wasn't a great run, but yeah, not the chip chase. It was a race before that. It was the sixth film handicap on the same card. Um, that wasn't a great show, but you know, bombed out on the all weather the, the previous summer and in, in June at Newcastle. Um, King of Stars bombed out twice at Newcastle. Sometimes they just don't go a yard on that. Um, this magical spirit is much better judged on the previous run, which was a really good run here at here at York uh, on ground that was probably too quick um, off the save off the higher marks. It's been dropped a pound since. I think magical spirit will run well. I think you can get twelve to one everywhere about magical spirit. Um, I probably play the two. I probably play Abraham Gold each way at sevens and uh, magical spirit each way twelve. That's how I play the race. And the future race at York is at three fifteen on Saturday. Extended mile and a quarter. Skybet York Stakes. It's a group two. Just the five going to post. The fact that Tom Marquand goes up there is a, a massive. I know he's a stable jockey for William Haggis, but you would imagine Tom Marquand would normally be an ascot on a big day. But he's going up there for my Prospero, who is going to be a short price favourite to win this one. Al Flayler goes for Owen Burroughs, so it could be a big day for him in the Shadwell colours. She's done really well recently, but we haven't seen her since October. We're, when winning the the Dali Stakes at the Group Three at Newmarket, she also won uh, a Group Three at York as well back in August. But she has been off for two hundred ninety four days. Royal Champions there for Roger Varian, Mashur for Johnny Murta, who comes over, and Ben Cohen is the stable jockey. Actually, goes to York and, and not to uh, to Ascot. And then William Knight's got Check and Challenge. It's going to be a short prize, but. William Hag is sending my Prospero up to York in his favourite home county. It's going to be a really good chance of winning it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my Prospero is one of these funny ones because he was a huge drifter at Royal Ascot in the Prince of Wales. It was like an extraordinary drift. There was a horse that was 11 of 4, 3 to 1 uh, in, in the kind of overnight stage and into the morning and then went off 15 to 2 and could have gone off bigger. And ran no sort of race when four or six there on good ground. Um, having previously showed up quite well at Newbury in the lock-inch over two short a trip when fourth in the lock-inch. That was that was a smart run. His two runs at the back end of of well, three runs at the back end of last year. Close up third in the St James's Palace when beaten should have probably should have won that race that that Group One. Then one and one nicely that Group Two in, in France and was beaten a you know less than half a length I think in the in the Champion Stakes. So, Ask at the back end of last year, a reproduction of any of those three runs would be good enough to win this. And it's just whether he's in the same form. And like you say, the fact that Tom Marcon comes here, the fact that they run here, cutting the ground, it would be a big shot if my Prospero doesn't doesn't win this race. Um, Alf Layla's on a, on the comeback trail, got lots of talent, but we haven't seen him for some time. Royal champion just doesn't feel up to this quality. Monsieur is interesting and actually checking challenge is interesting for the place, but 
you know, if the real My Prospero turns up, I don't, I don't think they'll see which way he's gone. And you know, as we saw last week with one of our old friends, the hand on Haggis Horse, that won at um. That yeah, I don't want to discuss that particular point there, Bill, because I, <laughs> yeah. I was, although I did want to lay it at four to six. To be fair to me, and he won at seven to two. Unbelievable. Yeah, and he came and beat the one that I really fancied as well. But mm. it's um, he, he's um, <laughs> there's a there's a bit of deja vu with this fella that um, he might <laughs> drift a little bit, but I, I think I think he'll take a big step forward from that last run and get his season back on track. And yeah, I I just think he'll win. I think you can try and be too clever sometimes in this game, and I think my Prospero doesn't have to reproduce the form of those runs. I think he can run within five or six pounds of it and still win. So for that reason, I think he's going to be hard to beat and I'll stick with him. Okay, just in my defence for last week, I did say that's the worst four to six favourite you'll see this weekend. And whoever priced him up at four to six to let him go off, he went five to two, 11 to four, seven to two. They were taking the mick at four to six, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that was that that was just, just one of those those weird abnormalities. But he... he um. He got the job well. He was given a great ride and uh, mm. got the job done well. But um, I think my Prospero is is a is a class act, and he can take this on the way to better things in the autumn. Thanks, Bill. Looks like it's going to be a great day's racing of both Ascot and York on Saturday. Looking forward to the King George in particular, a real mouth watering contest. As those three-year-olds take on the older horses, it's all on ITV7 Races, all covered in today's podcast. You can watch them live on TV on Saturday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks to Kevin Stott for joining us on the British Champion Series press conference. We'll be back again next week, and it's glorious Goodwood. So we've got podcasts coming out of your ears next week. We'll be bringing out daily podcasts once again for the glorious Goodwood meeting. First one will be out on Monday. So look out for that Monday looking ahead to Tuesday's action. We'll be hearing from Aidan O'Brien. I had a chat with him recently. So look out for those podcasts. The glorious Goodwood edition coming out from Monday of next week. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips and follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. Enjoy the King George and we'll be back for daily glorious Goodwood coverage next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.